Are we on? Yeah, well, we can be on. Oh, good. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, it is nice. This is like, this is cool. Yeah, I think whenever we get together, we always have so much fun. So, yeah. Well, that's that's nice to. It's nice to have someone who understands what you're doing because this is the type of work that there aren't a lot of people who really go very deep in it and they don't understand it. Yeah. And thus walk the talk, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like you have to live this, just studying it and, mm -hmm. and just reading about it, even though it's powerful and you certainly can adapt your behavior according to, you know, what these, these ancient practices recommended. Right, right. And you'll still get benefit. But whoa, it's a whole different show when you actually do the practices and start experiencing the different states of consciousness that are available to us. Yeah, I, I definitely tend more towards the intellectualizing of things. Lots of books. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of my teachers one time, he just saw the big bookshelves. He goes, look at all those postcards. <laughs> <laughs> are you ever going to go there? You know, <laughs> but it's good. I think we have a nice brotherhood. I've always felt like you're sort of an older brother to me. Like I'm, I'm the older brother. I have an older sister. But I'm the well, older brother too. Right from the first time you were driving, you were driving up, and uh, we were going to come and you read our uh, ad in the paper for uh, right, the studio right. apartment, right? right? And so I'm talking to you on the phone. Rod was uh, listening to me, and at the end I said, "Yeah, no, no, I think you should. Yeah, you you, you can have it." And I got off the phone, and I said, <laughs> "You just, you haven't met him yet." <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that was like 13, 14 years, maybe 15, I don't know. What is the 15th anniversary? Is that uh, copper? Or? It was probably <laughs> about 12 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At least. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing that you know, go back to the practices again. Mm -hmm. And the books are great. I got a lot of books too. We have a library. And yeah. it's interesting now because the millennials don't really, apparently, when I go into their house, there aren't a lot of books. Right, right. And for me, just the fact that those books are there and I can pull something out and mm -hmm. I can touch it and I can read it, it's good. Yep. So the books are fabulous and they all do say something that's important. And to keep your mind stimulated with that type of information is always important. Yeah, absolutely. However, um, what was it? Werner Earhart, when we did the S training, said, um, understanding is the booby prize. Mm. So I always like to talk about it as, okay, it's good to understand it, but really what this is all about what meditation's about and what knowing having the freedom to live in to live in different dimensions simultaneously you get the overstanding mm. yeah I, i've noticed that so maybe there's a particular practice that i'm doing or in tibetan buddhism there's just a lot mm -hmm. of sort of poetic symbolism it's quite beautiful it's beautiful really yes. drew me to it yeah but when i do have some type of deeper experience or a meditative uh, peak experience it's completely, it's like, oh, I see. It's almost like that was just sort of pointing you towards it, or it's almost like a symbolic image mm -hmm. towards it. It's not the thing itself, because it's almost in, inexplicable. It's almost, it's, it's very hard to put to words. Well, you're, you're touching on something that's really important. First, you have to do the practices to calm the mind. And in Raja Yoga, which I'm a Raja Yogi, it's been my main practice, they talk about a state of mind called Narod, which mm -hmm. is a waveless mind. Mm -hmm. And the way the mind works, which is just, when I first heard this, this was what, back 50 years ago, um, when I heard the explanation, it made so much sense, that if you take a piece of white paper and you take a crystal and you put it on it, mm. the crystal's not going to take any color because the paper's white put it on a blue, you put the crystal on a blue paper, and the crystal appears to be blue, but obviously we all know it's not. Right. So and red and purple, anything else. 
The mind is just like that. If you think of the mind as a, um, a pool, small pool, and if you take a glass, you put it into this pool of water, and what happens? The water forms itself so that the space of the glass, the water is forming a shape of a glass. Mm. So with thoughts, it's the same thing. Yeah. You put a thought into the mind, and what happens? It's called chittavritti. The mind forms itself around the thought so that you experience it. Yeah, the mind is a very reflective nature, mirror-like. Totally, yeah. but three-dimensional now because yeah. what it actually does is if you put a thought in, you know, I am, I am a peaceful being, if you use that thought, well, that I am a peaceful being goes into the mind and the mind forms itself around that thought mm. and you experience not the thought, but you experience the mentalness of that thought. Right, right. And so you have this wonderful thought, I am peaceful. You know, you go to the other extreme, and if you're angry or you're upset or you're completely out of balance and you're frustrated, well, those thoughts form themselves in the mind. And here's the kicker on this one. It's not that you think the thoughts and that's it. You think the thoughts, the mind takes the, the shape of that thought and you feel it. Mm. So there's a, there's a real texture, there's a taste, there's a smell to each thought in that way. And then, of course, the next level down, as you, as you know, I've said this many, many times to you, my favorite CD of yours, you are not your thoughts. Oh, it's so important, right? So <laughs> after all of that, they're like, okay, wait a minute. Like, I, we're, I knew we would get way ahead of ourselves. I wanted to do a little sort of mantra invocation because I know that mantra is very big for you. Yeah. And if you had something that maybe you could share, that would be awesome. What's beautiful about this whole ancient culture was that, um, first of all, they sang words. They mm -hmm. didn't speak them the way we do. English is rather a uh, flat language. Mm -hmm. So in Sanskrit, there's other languages also, Latin and Greek, and um, the, the, a lot of the languages are melodic, mm -hmm. Spanish, Italian. But Sanskrit is a language that when you sing the words, you experience the vibration of the word, and that's the meaning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's not an intellectual meaning. It's more, it sets up a pattern, which is amazing that these um, ancients understood vibration and resonance. It's an embodied. In it's your, in the physical body, yeah. the energetic body, and the mental body simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So yes, long way of saying there is a great invocation. So because everything's changing, right, this is an ever-changing universe, nothing remains the same ever, not even for a billionth nanosecond, Everything is this movement. Mm -hmm. And our relationship to change will determine how we function as a human being. Right, right. It'll also define our relationships. So we have to be comfortable with change. So this beautiful Mahamitrajaya mantra, which we use anytime we're driving, when we're starting something new, um, and it's basically a mantra of safety traveling through the different dimensions. I like it. Yeah. So this is the Maha Mitrajaya Mantra. And we repeat it three times. Om.
Om Triambakam Yajamahe Sugangim Pushdiwadanam Urwaru Kamive Bandanan Murityor Mukshya Mamrutat Om Triambakam Yajamahe Sugangim Pushdiwadanam Urwaru Kamive Bandanan Mrityor Mukshya Mamrutat Om Triambakam Yajamahe Sugangim Pushdiwadanam Urwaru Kamive Bandanan Mrityor Mukshya Mamrutat Om Shanti 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 Om peace, Om peace, peace. And that's a good way to start any trip. What are the um, what is the meaning of, of the words or just the, part of the meaning is that as we travel through the many different spaces, to be connected to the guidance that allows us to be open and available to the changes. And just like a cucumber that's plucked from the reaper, mm. we don't want to get attached when it's time to release. Mm. Nice. You were talking uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were chatting about... Uh, your early days in the Catholic Church and in the, the Latin Mass and the hymns, how they, that another form of mantra. And there's something about sort of the repetition then, right, that has an Im, is able to make an imprint on, on your astral body or vital body, whatever you want to call it. Repetition is very, very powerful uh, yeah. means of doing that. And I think the church, the Catholic Church understands that. But so what was the, um, what was it, the Latin Mass? You said you went into a trance or something or, or it was very... Well, I was a young, you know, young... Uh, Italian Catholic, so you know, I would do my church things and go to go to catechism and things like that, Sunday school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was always fascinated with the vibration. Now I'm dating myself because this is this is back in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, I really loved the Latin. There was something about Latin. Yeah, that it was quite beautiful. My confused, depressed, <laughs> angry, frustrated mind. Yeah. I would get into a church and they would ch- start chanting the Latin, and it would take me. So it inspired me so much so that I wanted to become a priest. Mm-hmm. In my early days, it was first in the earlier time was to be a garbage man that then went to priest. It, <laughs> so it transitioned That's right funny. about the time I became an altar boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and as an altar boy, um, I realized that if you were the head altar boy, you got to choose what masses you would do. You used to get to do the, if you were the head altar boy, they always picked you for funerals and weddings. Well, you could also do that. Yeah, you could also do funeral and weddings. You always wanted to do funerals. Weddings weren't as good. Mm -hmm. I always booked the funerals for myself because they paid much better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Apparently, happiness doesn't reward as much as grief. So (laughs) apparently, that's how that works. But I would, uh, so I became the head altar boy. I would do the 7 a.m. mass. Oh, jeez. None of the other kids wanted to wake up early. I always got up early as a kid. So I loved Love the fact, 7 a.m. Mass, and I 
walk because I'd walk from where we lived, about a 20-minute walk in the dark and the cold in the winter. But I get to Mass, and this was a Mass that was um, done in Latin with all of the Italian Grammys. Oh, jeez. So they came in wearing their black with their little black kerchief on their head, you know, and they would sit there. And Father Vinci, who, even though I wasn't that tall, um, he was shorter than I was, and I would do Mass with Father Vinci. This is uh, Princeton, New Jersey? This was, no, this was Fairview, New Jersey, Okay, more right across right. from the GW Bridge. Okay. Italian neighborhood? Italian neighborhood. Okay. Italian, yeah. Polish, mm-hmm. And Jewish, so we, you know, we had a, a we had a combination of different ethnicities, um, but anyway, do the mass. Then they changed it to English. Right. I was so unhappy with English. It was flat. It didn't have the same vibration. In fact, I didn't know it. And this is what you were referring to before. When I would repeat the Latin, I would go. I would transcend the part of the mind that functions completely through the five senses to give you the ability to survive the material world. Mm-hmm. But with the Latin, like Sanskrit, um, when you started chanting it, it, the vibrations, the resonance would put you into a part of the mind that functions best. It perceives unity. Mm. The lower mind, if you want to call it that, it's not lower, it's a vibrational level, but the part of the mind that perceives sensual information that's transmitted through the touching or seeing or smelling or touching, all of this goes to the brain. The brain then sends it through the pranic system to the mind. The mind takes the information, processes it, and then sends back and you pick up a glass and you drink some water. However, the the part of the mind that perceives unity, which is closer that you get to the transcendent state, you experience more and more a sense that we're all connected together, mm-hmm. that we're not separate. Separation is for the functionality and the, you know, if you're going to drive a car, you want to make sure you have a good sense of separation. You know, if you're talking to another person, you want to respect who they are, you want to speak to where they are, so you want to be in touch with the sense that I'm separate from you. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this level with Latin, I was going into these amazing experience of ecstasy. Then it turns out that if you do the high mass, then they add more candles and they add frankincense. Mm-hmm. I love the frankincense. Yeah, I remember I was not, not an altar boy too. Yeah. Mm. We'd have that thing, you know, the little... Yeah, you hold it with a chain and you just shake it. too much, you know. Oh. At some point you're like, Ooh. I remember my friend was going to pass out, I thought. My, yeah, my yeah that never happened to me because <laughs> the frankincense also is designed to stimulate the subtle senses. Mm. So you have the gross senses that perceive otherness, but there's another whole set of senses that perceives the finer things. Mm-hmm. And so you can, you can once you've developed them, which is what yoga is all about and what meditation and Raja Yoga actually trains you to be able to do, is you want to live in a simultaneous reality where you're grosser senses are helping you to steer through the material plane mm-hmm. while simultaneously the other part of the mind is active so you're perceiving within the grosser the finer mm-hmm. so in fact what you're experiencing is a sense of duality simultaneously with a each little bit of information or data that goes to the brain that says I'm speaking to Greg and we're in this room and you know we're having this conversation simultaneously you'd experience 
the unity of it. Mm. So the, the texture of it now is more expansive and it's, it's far more meaningful to experience someone as an individual separate from me and at the same time completely in a harmonious sense of unity with them. That's that's everything. Yeah, well, the idea of non-duality in both Hinduism and Buddhism, um, that's a, a high topic. And to experience that, that the dissolution of subject and object um, is, is something that, that's uh, sort of the, the prize that one tries to achieve. When I was studying uh, a lot of, about holograms recently, that that was something because yes, they, they talk example. about that too. Yeah, that yeah. like every little piece of that mm -hmm. of a hologram is in the bigger piece as well. So you right. start to see that it is all connected and that you're all part of it, and you start to see that whatever you're experiencing is maybe it's joy or sadness. It's out there too, and sim similarly, when someone else is experiencing joy or sadness, you are experiencing that as well. Yes, and and when you recognize, and this is where Raja Yoga has been so helpful to me, and having really wonderful teachers, and I certainly want to do a shout out to my my guru Swami Satchidananda, who took me as a young kid, twenty one years old, and trained me really well in experiencing these states of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And what I had to recognize was that first and foremost. There's an ever-changing field. There's parts of our life that is constantly changing. And at 72 years old, I can attest to the fact that my body for sure, thank goodness for Hatha Yoga and eating well and doing all those things because I'm healthy. Mm -hmm. um, however, the mind is designed to feel things. So the body takes senses and what's that? You get a sense of something. Now, I love this because I'm not seeing you directly right now. I only have a sense of sight of right, you. Right. It's, um, I appear in your mind. Yes. That's how it's working. <laughs> yeah, I'm not right? really here. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> however, however, as I have this sense, it's a feeling that I get. Mm -hmm. Now, in the mind, the mind is a sense organ also. We are designed as human beings to travel our life, this universe, empathically. Mm. We, we are programmed. We have the most amazing computer system connected to this material body that allows us to actually feel our way through our life. Mm. Now, we go back to the books and intellectual um, a part of the mind certainly is the booty. It's the analytical part of the mind. You've got the manas. You've got the part of the mind that remembers and memorizes. And then you have a hunkata. Uh, Freud called that ego. I was fascinated when I first took my uh, master's degree in psychology to find out how, how much Freud uh, took from Raja Yoga. Mm. So a hunkata is the sense that I am experiencing, which he called ego. So you've got memory, you've got analysis, and you've got the part of you who's just present, and it's my experience. So I own this experience. Well, if you're just using the booty, you miss out on stimulating your empathic centers. So uh, feeling is primary. It reminds me of uh, yeah. E. E. Cummings' uh, poem. Since feeling is first, who, who pays any attention to 
the syntax of things. That's a rough translation. Mm -hmm. But the idea is it's not, the form is not as important as how you're feeling about feeling your experience. Feeling is, is foremost. Yeah. And these empathic centers, which is again interesting, um, living in South Florida for a number of years, right? And Boca Raton was just south of where we were. Boca Raton is the, um, uh, the, capital for um, changing your body. Right, and right. one of the things that became popular in the 80s was Botox. Yeah, I think I was living down there about the same time as you were in Pompano, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, we were on the other side. So yeah. we were, we were in, uh, near West Palm Beach. Um, so the, um, the Botox, they find out 10 years later, <laughs> hardens, deadens the part of the brain oh, that allows you to have empathy. So not only is your face frozen, but your emotions are That's frozen. That's correct. Isn't that interesting how that goes together? Wow. Yeah. So as a Raja Yogi, what we're doing is we are practicing techniques to allow us to be natural. Mm. <laughs> we're not trying to do something supernatural. Uh, we just want this physical body and mind to be so aligned and connected to who we are as conscious being mm. that is unchanging. So you've got this changing dimension that's always changing, and you want a mind to be clear enough, as we were saying before, so that every experience comes into the mind and it forms and you feel what's going on. Now, and I use this example many times, if you're a hockey player um, and you're the goalie, right, you're the keeper, and the person's coming down in a shootout and you're saying, hmm, I wonder where he's going to try to get it in the net. Yeah. Boom, it's already in and you yeah. lost. Mm -hmm. All right, I've worked with professional base, uh, basketball players and um, that's another thing. You can't be thinking, okay, is this a layup or should I? Yeah, it's all flow. It's yeah, yeah. all feeling in relationship to who's around you and that's where, you know, I think of Michael Jordan and all the really greats out there. They were able to just be in such a zone where their mind would control their body without thought. Yeah. It was through feeling. It reminds me of a story of Laurence Olivier when he did Hamlet one time. And it was transcendent. Like everyone was just floating. It was the most powerful thing anyone had ever seen. Mm. And he ran back to his dressing room after the show and closed the door and wouldn't open. And he was just crying. And I forget who went in and said, what's the matter? What happened? You know, and he's like, he goes, I have no idea how I did that. You know, so he was so lost in the role. He had done it so many times. But it was that exact thing. He just got into the feelings of it, of the part. Now, then that's, that is powerful because it's the, it's the basis of meditation. It's the reason why you practice enough so that you are in this alignment with mm -hmm. your True, wise, aware, unchanging, immortal, infinite self. So that is the purpose of these talks, as we were discussing, you know, over the last couple of weeks, how we wanted to do this, what we wanted to talk about. I think it, it, it comes down to two parts. One, to give people the tools to understand who they are. Mm -hmm. Experience. Experience. How to sort of... Um, you have a new phrase, uh, hit the pause button to know where you're in reaction and so on and so forth. Correct. And then the second part of that, how do we get out into the real world? How do, you, how do we sort of... Walk the talk. Walk the talk, yeah. Yeah. So to me, it seems like this, the spirituality for me anyway, is, a, is, a, is an act of healing. 
Okay, so I have my my mind with its glaciers. I have my body, which is ailing. And so I can do things like meditative practices. I can do my qigong, and it kind of heals um, those those aspects of my being. Um, yeah, the, the whole journey, if you're saying on a spiritual journey, right? And it's a word which um, has taken on different meanings, so we'd have to really define that. Um, when we're talking about spirit, what we're talking about is the unchanging reality that is present every moment. Um, it's not something you have to tune into. It's present all the time. As an so, individual, yeah. Yeah, for every individual, they have access to it. What you have to do is you have to create the environment where the mind is clear enough, which is very essential, so that you can then experience that state. So you mentioned kleshas, important word. So in Raja Yoga, two things are talked about. The whole 197 sutras in Raja Yoga can be really condensed down to these two points. One of them is, what do you do to connect to your wise, aware, immortal self? And then, plan B. <laughs> you need a plan B. And the plan B is really important. What do you do when you're disconnected? Mm. That is key. So you use the word environment. It seems that's an important thing to, that you really, something that you would need to get your practice or get your life in a... Um, to be able to do these things, mm -hmm. you know, alchemy, it's in, in those talks and Carl Jung and so forth. It's very important that you create sort of a sacred space in, in which your work is to begin, especially if you're doing a retreat. There's all kinds of rituals that you do uh, ahead of time to set up and, and make the space sacred. But it seems like you could make your whole life that way. Well, in fact, when your life is designed to stay in alignment with who you are as an immortal being, everything you do then is you are preparing the environment, whether it's a physical environment, including your physical body, that's why you eat correctly so that you're not dis creating disturbances mm -hmm. within your physical body. Energetic body, you want to have all of those channels that connect your mind to your physical body. We'll probably have to go later on in these uh, in our podcast, we'll go into more detail on that. But you have five different bodies. Two of them you don't have to worry about at all because they're fine. You can't mess them up. The only thing you can mess up is first your mental body, which then messes up your energetic body. And people really do mess up their physical body mm -hmm. by what they eat and how they uh, handle situations. So you're absolutely correct. The first thing we have to do is we have to have the physical environment support alignment to our true self. So maybe that's a good thing that someone could focus on as they're listening here. Look at your environment, you know, spend spend the next time here um, just looking around your environment, the way that you're eating, and see how that affects um, how you're going through life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, sleep, you know, so the hours before midnight are far healthier for the physical body. Mm -hmm. You know, back in the years when I was a Swami, a meditation monk, you know, we were up at three o'clock. I was up at three o'clock. A few of us, not everyone. A few of us got up at three o'clock because at three o'clock, all the minds around you are asleep. Mm -hmm. And so this was in New York City in the village on 13th Street between 7th and 8th Avenue, the Interval Yoga Institute. And so there was a lot of noise in New York City all the time. Sure. <laughs> but at 3 a.m., it was a lot quieter. 
So you create um, a healthy way, just like you said, you create a healthy environment so that you can stay in alignment. But most importantly, when you're in alignment, your intuition is working. Mm -hmm. When you're in alignment, the part of you that knows, not thinks, that's different, but the part of you that knows you're thinking, the part of you that knows when your body needs sleep or needs a certain type of food. You know, my wife and I, we don't really plan meals because we don't know what our body needs. Mm -hmm. So maybe an hour before, and most of our meals can be prepared within 20, 30 minutes. So we wait and then we say, okay, hon, what does your body need today? Mm, interesting. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so you need fruit. Yeah, you know what? I think I need a salad or I think I need some uh, a stir fry or something. Um, so you begin to get tuned in because you've awakened the part of you that knows what you need, mm -hmm. which is another whole topic. So it seems like, yeah, it, it's more than how do you maintain that, you know, that, that it becomes a big part of one's practice. Because it's one thing to sort of sit down in meditation cushion and get in, you know, in a really good zone and then you get up. And then this whole world is out there wanting your attention, whether it's family or job or body, anything <clears throat> like that is just constantly. And so to maintain that state seems to be a key thing. Well, go back. Yes. And because what you're saying there, which I, is really important, is you have to be aware enough to know when you're not in alignment. Mm -hmm. So if you have a healthier body, and that doesn't mean you can't do this if, you, if you're born with certain challenges. All right, so I have a, um, I'm mentoring a, a, a woman, I've been doing that for many years now, and she was born with CP. So she has a handicap. Mm -hmm. And when I started working with her, she defined herself as the handicap. Mm -hmm. Now she's in a place where she realizes she has a body that's handicapped. Right. She's not. So we want to make sure we say that. Because it's not like just like you know, saying, super athletes are the only one who can do meditation. No, right, not at right, all. Right. That's like saying, I'm tired. No, you're not. Your body is tired. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, because you're going to say, um, I have a headache. Well, not really. Mm -hmm. um, you, I hear you're identifying with the fact that your physical body, the head, has an ache. Okay, I get that. So it's more like my head has an ache. You know, I have a stomach ache. Mm -hmm. Hmm. No, I, the terminology we use as, as meditators would be, um, I know that my stomach is upset, but I'm not the stomach. Right. And so it, it's not just the body. We're talking about specific body things here, but it's also your thoughts. If you're angry, you're not angry. You have angry thoughts right now. Mm -hmm. It's almost as silly as saying when you're eating pizza, that I am pizza. No, yeah. you're not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You're driving a car and I am Prius. Yeah. You know, no, you're not Prius. You're the driver of the Prius, but you're not Prius. Well, I was expecting um, a fire hose of information. It's, you're very much like my Buddhist teacher, Alan Wallace, when you listen to him for the first time. If somebody's listening here for the first time, it's a lot of information. You know, I'm just wondering, is there something that you could we could give someone uh, to take away as sort of almost something that they could pay attention to um, and just sort of look at and uh, something around? Yeah, um, go ahead. Yeah. Two things which we've said a number of times and if we can kind of summarize what we're talking about today. Each one of us exists on two completely dynamically different dimensions. One dimension is unchanging, and that good news is that's who you are. You're a conscious being. 
traveling through three bodies specifically that need some attention. There's five altogether, and future podcasts will go into those. But the bodies that we have to work with are physical, energetic, and mental body. So if you can think of what you're doing, what you need to do maybe, to get these bodies so that they listen to you, so that you, the aware being, can get your body so you're relaxed. So proper exercise, proper sleep, look at the diet that you're eating, are you, are you drinking enough water, mm -hmm. um, these types of things. So just pay attention just to those things. Just begin to pay attention yeah. to what you're doing and are, are you experiencing a state, a physical and mental state where you're comfortable in yourself. Mm -hmm. So begin to look at that. Begin to see, am I comfortable in myself? Or, huh, now that you mention it, my hip's always hurting. Or, huh, yeah, I am waking up with headaches a couple times a week. Bring more awareness in. Mm. Begin to develop the ability to step back and observe yourself. And a very powerful, powerful exercise is when you're upset, just like we just said, you have a stomach ache. You're not a stomach ache. Mm -hmm. You have a headache. You're not a headache. You're the knower who knows the head is aching. Mm -hmm. Now, here's a good exercise to practice till we meet again. You have a thought and it frustrates you or it upsets you or it opens and, and activates an emotion. Ask yourself, Am I this emotion or am I knowing I'm experiencing this emotion? Mm -hmm. Am I this thought, I'm not good enough or I'm not lovable, whatever it might be. It could be all, all kinds of variations. To be able to get to a point and say to yourself, am I this thought or am I having a thought? If you can observe yourself having a thought, you're not the thought. Mm -hmm. So back to the CD that I produced many years ago. That was back in the 80s. Why believe your thoughts? That was the name of the program. Right. Don't. You, why believe them? They're just thoughts. You really, when you stop to look at your mind when you meditate and you're watching your thoughts, you realize they're just coming in. There's a lot of them, first of all. But so you have no control over what the next That's one correct. is going to be. And by the time you put your attention on it, it's already out the window and another one is, yeah. is, is lined up. Yeah. So to believe that somehow you're some, there's something magical that's generating these things, no, not really. <laughs> no, no. And, and by just stepping back and observing them, they're going to pass. A thought has a shelf life, a mm. very short shelf life. A thought comes in remains a couple seconds and goes away. Now, you may repeat that thought over and over again. So it may seem like it's a long thought that stays around for a long time. And it may. Like you may have a thought. You that may really... repeat it enough times yeah. where it stays in your mind field and the mm -hmm. jitta for a long time, no doubt. But this thought is activating an emotion. Right. So it's the right. thought and the emotion that you want to step back and say, am I frustrated? Or am I experiencing frustration? Mm -hmm. Simple, simple technique. Yeah, that this, would be this, the one I suggest. So this, this is very much uh, around the idea of Buddhism, of emptiness of, of thoughts. And where, when you sit down and there's specific practice that you do and you look and say, well, where, is the, where did the thought come from? Try to locate it when you're having it and then try to find it 
when it's gone. Watch it as it leaves. And you can't. Yeah. It's sort of, it doesn't really exist. It's there. Clearly you're thinking these thoughts, but you can't find it. So that is exactly what you're saying here. Mm -hmm. you're, you're not your thoughts and they yeah. don't exist anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And that exercise <laughs> and is themselves. perfect because if you focus on the gap between the thoughts, then what you're doing is you're not spinning the wheel faster. Right. You're right. slowing down the wheel. Mm -hmm. And finally the mind, which is a good a good ending point the mind then reaches a place of wavelessness and it's called narod narod vritti the thoughts in your mind just slow down slow down slow down think of waves in a bathtub you know and you just sit there and you wait for the waves to get quiet and when everything gets quiet you will experience something and what you're experiencing is who you are, an immortal being, a conscious being, who's sitting in this body, who has a personality that you're using just like your Prius or your car that you drive. It's not you. And if you do this enough times, the waveless mind, you get accustomed to it. And then when you get upset, which we all do, um, 54 years of doing this work, and I'm pleased, let me tell you that I still deal with that because it's not like the mind goes away. Mm -hmm. But what you can do is you don't believe the thought, you change your relationship to the thinking mind, and you put your attention on who you really are. There's a beautiful ending. Um, I'll do the English for it. It's, lead me from the unreal to the real. Lead me from the darkness of ignorance to the light of understanding. And lead me from the fear of, they say fear of death. I like saying fear of change. Lead me from the fear of change to the abode of changelessness. So it's a joy and it's a, it's a pleasure to hang out with a good friend of mine and have yeah. this opportunity to share these teachings that have transformed many people's lives, but certainly for me, have been really influential yeah. in allowing me to be of, um, of sound mind and body. <laughs> so here's the chant. Asatoma satgamaya Tamashoma jyotirgamaya Mrityormaha Amrudam Gamaya Om Shanti 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 Om Peace Om Peace Peace and with that peace Loka samasta sugino bhavantu. May the entire creation experience more peace and joy. Thank you. Beautiful. Until next time. Until next time. Walk the talk.